Skimwalker seemed to be one of the most infamous boogeymen of all time. No matter where you look, it seems people are encountering these downright strange creatures. Welcome back to The Swamp, my friend, and welcome if you're new. Today I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true Skimwalker encounters sent in by viewers just like you. As always, if you have a story you'd like to share, be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or on reddit at r slash thedarkswamp. I'd love to share your story. Don't forget to backhand that like button so it feels it. Be sure to subscribe, it helps the channel grow, and let's get into these creepy and downright strange skimwalker horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. A teen solo hiker who is terrified for days by unknown figures dressed in white. Two cops who quit their job at a local theater because of unexplained encounters with an alleged demon. An isolated forest in Canada where people keep turning up headless. These are just some of the strange, dark, and mysterious stories you'll hear each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast. In each episode, Mr. Ballin shares real-life haunting accounts like the case of Haley Zega, who disappeared from a hiking trail for 51 hours when searching and rescues finally found her and asked how she had survived. She simply said that a friend helped her. She described this friend as being four years old with black hair, brown eyes. This friend was initially dismissed until they realized a girl had gone missing in that exact spot 23 years earlier and was never found. She was four years old, had black hair, and brown eyes. I love this podcast. Mr. Ballin picks some really good stories and his storytelling abilities are top notch. If you've seen him on YouTube, you would love this podcast over on Amazon. Be sure to check it out for sure. So Swamp Dwellers, if you have Prime and you already listen to your music on Amazon or you're looking for another reason to use Amazon, definitely check out Mr. Ballin's podcast, Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories in the Amazon Music app. You can download the app today. Weird Experiences by Midday Moon I experienced what I can only imagine is an otherworldly occurrence when I moved to the Sierra Nevadas about four years ago. I'd been living in the South Lake of Tahoe, California area for, for many years and spent a decent amount of time in the outdoors, hiking, camping, and generally enjoying the beautiful place I was lucky enough to call home. Now, I don't get scared quickly. I'm used to being by myself and I carry weapons everywhere I go. Being a 5'2 and 110 pound female, I go out of my way to be sure I can protect myself. Many people in the outdoor community told me about being careful on the trails in the forest. I usually do these things alone save for my trustworthy though somewhat cowardly dog. But I had never felt as uncomfortable, confused, and downright afraid as I did in my apartment one night when I finally relocated away from Tahoe to Reno, Nevada. I had moved to Reno to escape the isolation of living in Lake Tahoe, and though it is only about 60 miles away, it felt like a whole different world. Now the city itself isn't necessarily huge, and I was living in the north end of town, surrounded by high desert foothills and somewhat sparsely populated compared to more of the urban city center. Still, I never felt like I was out in the boonies or anything. I lived alone with my pop and we liked our little apartment. So to set the scene here, it was early fall and the sun was beginning to develop at a much earlier time of day, which was exemplified by the fact that the city sits in a valley, so sunset seems to approach much faster than in other places in northern Nevada. My apartment sat just above street level with a window in the kitchen next to my stacked washer and dryer that looked out into an alley, maybe about 10 feet above the small street beside the small fourplex building. 
It was dark outside, and I was alone with my dog doing laundry. My apartment layout was an open concept, and the living room slash kitchen area was separated by a wall that had a vast space cut out into it so you could walk through and see each other. With the washer and dryer tucked around, and the aforementioned window to the left of that, with the openness of the space, the darkness outside, and the number of overall windows the apartment had, it almost felt like you were in a spotlight. If it was dark out and I had the lights on, it looked like I was living in a fishbowl or a terrarium. Anyone or anything could see right in. I made it a point to permanently close my blinds, save for the small window looking out to the alley. I didn't mind keeping those blinds open because I liked the fresh air, and someone would need a ladder to reach me if they had been determined enough. As I was removing the clothing from the dryer and turning to plop it on my couch to begin folding, I realized my dog was acting incredibly strange. He didn't want to cross the line, so to speak, from my living room to the kitchen, marked by a change from the carpet to tile. Though it was only a few steps, he seemed incredibly hesitant and began whining and burping out small, concerned wolves. At first, I just thought he was anxious. For whatever reason, he is known to be a bit of a weenie, but then out of nowhere, I sensed this immense and insurmountable feeling of dread and displacement. I turned my back to the washer, dryer, and small alley facing window. My dog sat facing me, almost looking past me, and his apparent anxiety and frustration began to build as I was asking him what was wrong. He started barking a whole alarm bark at this point. And as soon as he did, the sense that someone or something was observing me took over me and caused my blood to run cold. My logical response was someone was just watching me through the window, the only window that has open blinds, and the only window that anyone could see me through. So in one fell swoop, I reached for the overhead drawstring for the light and turned it off and faced the window, confronting whoever or whatever was intruding on my life. As soon as the light clicked off and the room was dark, I saw what I could only describe as a perfectly round light about the size of a small cantaloupe directly across from me on the other side of the window. It didn't glow like a lamp or a light though. Its edges were perfect and it didn't hover or vibrate or even move. At this point, I was too stunned to move and my fight or flight response had engaged so quickly that I had no time to recognize or rationalize what I was seeing. I was looking at this thing, and it was looking back. I felt cold and confused. My hair was standing on end. My heart was racing. My dog had gone into complete freakout mode and was jumping and barking and generally causing a stir in the living room, as he could see all of this as well. The light seemed to now realize that I could see it, and it looked as if it backed away or at least grew more diminutive in size. It had moved to the right of the window now. It flickered twice and then disappeared. It didn't buzz away or fly away and it didn't zoom out of vision. It was visible, not visible, and then just gone. As soon as I realized the light was not there anymore, I opened the window and poked my head out to see what was going on. Maybe someone was up at my window with a flashlight. Perhaps someone in the neighboring buildings had seen something and would be checking for themselves to try and solve this odd mystery. Nothing. Not a soul and what felt like deafening quiet was all I heard. I closed the window. As soon as I shut the window, I hear a solid three knocks on the larger window out front by the living room. As I mentioned before, those blinds were closed, and though from the outside looking in it's entirely clear, someone was home because the lights were on in that room. No one could know it was me alone in my apartment, right? I wasn't expecting anyone over, and it was too late for solicitors. No one had any reason to be at my house then, and I was not going to open that door. 
My dog had rushed to the kitchen as soon as the light outside the window had disappeared and then he was in what I can only describe full-on defense mode. Now my dog is an absolute wuss. I've seen him run from cats and get spooked by bags blowing in the street and he generally stays by my side on hikes while we're camping because normally he expects me to protect him. This pup seemed ready for war though. Hackles up, eyes alert, growling at the front window now. I stepped into the living room, grabbed my gun with one hand and keys with the other and slinked back into the kitchen and out the back door to where my car was parked. I threw my dog in, started it up and raced off to a restaurant across town where I ordered to-go food and ate in the front of my Subaru. We car camped in a Walmart parking lot that night. I returned to the apartment the following day, my laundry still on the couch with no apparent signs of anyone trying to enter the place. Everything seemed normal. I never experienced any disruption in that place ever again for the year and a half that I lived there afterward. I have no idea, to this day, what I experienced. It wasn't until I shared the story with some friends that I heard that knocking and the sense of being watched was somewhat common of a phenomenon to people who encounter skimwalkers. Skinwalker Encounter by Sky Glow Project Hello, my name is Heron, and I am a BBC Earth Nat Geo photographer and cinematographer for various documentaries including Ice on Fire for HBO and Leonardo DiCaprio. A few years ago, something extraordinary happened to my shooting partner Gavin Heffernan and me at Vermilion Cliffs in Arizona. We have privately told the story to friends, but didn't figure making it public would make much sense until a friend of mine sent one of your videos about Skimwalker Ranch, which echoed almost similar things that happened to us. Gavin and I have specialized in night sky photography and have covered all 50 American states and Canadian provinces, spending full nights in most remote places. However, of over 1,000 of those nights, we spent shooting in. However, after spending thousands of nights out there shooting, we have never had anything like this happen. We made our way to White Pocket inside of Vermilion Cliffs, a fantastic collection of swirling white lithified sandstone. We decided to spend a night there shooting time lapses for a BBC Earth short film and were the only ones there that night. We set up our six cameras and let them roll and decided to get some sleep. We set a timer for 1am to wake up and move our cameras to different places so that we could shoot another set of shots. When I turned, I saw lights that initially looked like headlights but made no sense as they were in the direction of the park where there were neither roads or trails. I pointed it out to Gavin and we looked at it for quite some time. The more it appeared that it wasn't headlights but possibly a headlamp of a hiker. However, there were no trails in that area and we figured perhaps a hiker got lost and was wandering around towards us as they may have spotted us with their headlamps. We decided to stick around and wait. As we were worried it might be someone who might take our cameras, we looked and the light was getting closer. And when it got close enough that it was bright enough to reflect the white rocks at some point, but then it suddenly stopped. We sat there and waited in nothing. A couple of minutes later, the lights were back but much further away and there was no way a hiker could have backtracked a few miles in a matter of five minutes. That disturbed us enough that we didn't return to our tents but stayed there to sleep next to the camera. This was a bizarre event, but we would have shrugged it off if something hadn't happened the following night. 
We drove to another park and hiked into a famous rock structure area called The Wave. Only about 20 people are allowed in a day via a permit, so we figured if we stayed overnight, three miles away from the parking lot, we wouldn't get any lights flashing around from cars or hikers. We could shoot the night sky videos there. It's a highly dark area at night. You can barely see your hand in front of your face. We did the same as the previous night, set up cameras and slept with the alarm sent to 1am. Unlike White Pocket, the wave is situated amongst canyons that are highly echoey, and you can very clearly hear even the smallest of rocks roll half a mile away. Footsteps or any other sounds are easily heard. When we woke up, we returned to where we had left our cameras and set up new shots. However, when I went back to the spot I had left one of the cameras, it was missing. We left it there in the dark with nobody around. I frantically looked for it all around and nothing. I suspected it. I may have forgotten where I exactly put it, but I was fairly certain that it was there. I went to Gavin and asked him if he recalled where I put it, and he said he was sure it was where I was. We searched for it more, covering the whole area. Then we stood there, quiet, trying to see if we could hear the sound of a camera shutter clicking somewhere in the dark, but there was nothing. We agreed to go back to sleep and look for it in the morning when suddenly a loud thud reverberated through the canyon. We pointed our lights and walked in the direction of the sound. It was my camera, fallen over. There was no wind, no sounds of animals we would have easily heard, and no people. The camera was still clicking, taking shots, something we also would have heard when we were sitting there earlier listening for sound. We were beside ourselves as to how this could have happened because we set up our tripod legs wide to anticipate a possible bump of the camera by just about anything. But in this case, the camera would have had to been pushed over or dropped by something. I remember Gavin turning to me and saying, I'm an atheist, but this one's making me wonder. Following morning, I dropped Gavin back at his car. He went toward Los Angeles and I went to the city of Page, Arizona, where I planned to do a night of shooting in the Waterholes Canyon. That's just underneath State Highway 89 and about five miles south of the town. Tried to put last night's event in the back of my head as I had to shoot alone this night. I was still in the Vermilion Cliffs area, but this was just outside the park and I was close to the town, so unlike the last two nights in a completely remote location, this was underneath a highly utilized bridge of a busy state road. I parked and went into the canyon to scout things out in daylight. I wanted to grab a shot of the bridge from inside the canyon, looking up at the night sky above it. As I made my way down into the canyon, hiking down a trail, I started to smell something strange. The closer I got to the canyon area underneath the bridge, the more I smelled it. When I got there, I spotted next to the bridge support structures what appeared to be a dead dog. I got closer, and it was clear the smell was coming from there. I then realized it wasn't a dog, but a coyote, and it was lying. Not as it fell from above, but as if someone had set it down. However, the disturbing part was that the coyote was missing its bottom jaw and its tongue, and it was sliced off, like it was missing. Not ripped off, but sliced off, with precision. I left and never went back again. I didn't think about this much until I watched your episode about Skimwalker Ranch, and now it's really making me think. Plagued? by Skimwalkers, by Logan O. I would call this monster mania because this was the night and place where many southwest cryptids like to roam. This took place a year ago in Prescott, Arizona, on my uncle's ranch. This all took place in a two-week time span. I will share week one with you now, and on Monday, I will send in week two when I have time. But anyways, let's get started. On day one in my wildlife journal, there is a whole host of critters. 
bears, wolves, mountain lions, eagles, foxes, badgers, squirrels, herds of deer, elk, bison, etc. All of these animals are in my five-year journal. Still, I have heard many stories about a creature called Bigfoot, but have yet to encounter one. But that night of that day, I think I might have heard, or maybe even potentially seen, a family of Bigfoot. There's nothing really special to recount about that, just like the deer and elk they were passing through on one of the game trails. My guess is the abundance of prey. The only thing special I observed was the alpha male looking like a silverback gorilla. Night 2 and in my journal, I wrote my observations of what I believed to be some sort of dogman. I overheard my uncle claim he shot one while protecting his sheep years ago. So I decided to check the sheep pen and followed a trail of blood to see that one of them had been dragged away. After following and tracking this monster, I almost gave up and headed to my deer stand to see if I could record any more wildlife. I managed to record a family of grouses and a few rabbits, and then I saw something that was very, very odd. It was like a deer, standing on two legs, but it looked wrong, like almost as if it were like a skeletal deer. But it smelled like absolute death. This was on night three, and was the most eventful thing that I think my family or myself have ever, ever experienced. This thing began to screech, run around our cabin, and make all sorts of noise all night. That smell never went away. Even after it was gone in the morning, that smell seemingly lingered for multiple hours. I don't know what was stalking us that night, but I am fairly sure it was a skimwalker. I'm sorry if the story is all over the place. I'm not a great writer, but I did want to try to recount as much information to you as possible. Thanks for listening to these creepy and downright strange skimwalker horror stories that'll freak you out tonight. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it. If you're new to the swamp, be sure to subscribe as it helps this. If you're new, subscribe as it helps the channel grow immensely, and I really, really appreciate that. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating on those platforms as it helps me grow over there, and I very much appreciate that as well. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's an experience with a skimwalker or something else, please be sure to submit your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I also have a reddit r slash thedarkswamp, I'd love to see your story. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, and want to download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, and literally anywhere else you find your favorite podcast online, and it's absolutely free to do so. Many thanks to the Mr. Ballin Podcast for sponsoring today's episode. If you enjoy my stories, I'm sure you'll enjoy theirs. Be sure to check it out on Amazon Music. Be sure to join me over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, etc., etc., and I'll see you all soon with another creepy episode.